Well, welcome back to our last and final installment of a series we've called, What Difference Does God Make? If you haven't been here for the last couple of uh, series or messages that we've done, let me just catch you up real quick. We've been looking at this idea of what difference does God make in our lives, and then what difference does God make in culture? Looking around it, uh, we can aim it at two different ways. Aiming it at God, God, what difference do you make with all the stuff that's going on in our world? And then aiming it at ourselves. What difference has God made in our lives? And so week one, we talked about the good life and, and our pursuit of the good life and what that looks like. And, and is our good life really the good life that God wants for us? And then in week two, last week, we talked about an on-demand God. We talked about how a lot of times the things that we want in our lives, we want God to do them right now, but God doesn't always work on demand. An on-demand God doesn't exist. Um, God is doing things that we don't see. He loves us. His ways are higher than our ways. His presence is always enough. So this was the last two weeks. And then today we're going to talk a little bit about what difference does God make in our lives for those that claim to be Christians. If you are a Christian, or maybe if you're wrestling through whether you want to be a Christian or not, and you're coming here and got questions, today will be a, a great message for you. How many of you glad you are indoors and not outdoors? Anybody in here? We're going to have to preach through this rain. How many know we live in a world that is full of a lot of fake stuff? A lot of fake stuff goes on in our world. And, and how many know a lot of times these fake things, you can call them bootlegs or knockoffs, they, they look very similar to the original, but there's something different about them that's, that's different that makes them fake. So I thought I'd show you a couple of things in our world that are fake. Here's, here's the first one. Come on, how many, how many know these right here? This is, okay, when they say, these are now made with 100% chicken. First question, what were they made of before? Anybody else want to ask that? Anybody else asking that question? And then two, when they say made with 100% chicken, with, <laughs> with what? Um, hey, when you can put a chicken nugget on a semen outside for a week and come back and it's still the same color, that's not real, all right? But how many know? We still eat them up like crazy, all right? So this is, uh, this is a little, little chicken nugget. These cutters aren't real. Let me, let me show you something else, other things that are fake. Uh, this isn't fake. This is a real deal. Any Dr. Pepper people in the house, welcome to our Savior's Church, the home of Dr. Pepper, where it flows freely. Uh, this is my favorite drink of choice by, by all means. What I will not put my hands on, though, is this one. Not... Come on, how many know that's just wrong? That's wrong on so many. Dr. Thunder, come on. My mom was cheap. She would come home with that stuff. I'd be like, I'm too good for that. I, too, I will not eat it. And then in desperation, I would drink, drink some Dr. Thunder, but that is the thing. So we got, we got fake food. And then there's also fake accessories and clothing. Um, let, let me show you this. This is, this is a, little, a little Gucci bag right here. This is the real deal. This is the fake deal. This is the Gucci. This is the gotcha um, right here. And how many know, how many of you have gotten a gotcha? Anybody in here? Yeah, let's be proud about that. Lasted three days. And so um, this is, it looks, it looks similar. I mean, other than the color differences, there's, there's a lot of similarities to what it looks like. And then, of course, you got a bunch of other things. And you got fake diamonds. Uh, those are popular. People got fake, you know, you don't want to pay for the real deal so you can get fake diamonds. Then you got fake plants. Come on, how many got a fake plant in your house? Anybody got a fake plant in your house? Yeah, it's got so much dust on there. I think it came from the outside. All right, they got fake plants. The one that I love the most, though, this is the one that I love, the fake tans. 
Yeah, come on. A brother needs to get out the bed. Somebody should have warned the brother. All right, you got to get out. You got to get out. And I mean, no, even now, like things are even so much fake. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk about all the girls that got fake nails, fake hairs, and fake other stuff, and want a real man. But anyways, that's okay. Um, is that is that a little too far? Did I go? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, my bad. Anyways, uh, this. How many remember? We even got fake music. How many remember this one right here? Y'all know who this is, right? Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. And we loved us some Millie Vanilli until, until we found out they weren't singing. They weren't singing. It's like Mariah Carey. Anyways, um, so stop. Quit. Okay, quit it. So, this is, but this is true, right? You love them, and then when you find out that it's not the real deal, you feel gypped. You feel like, oh, I, I bought a fake, or I, I listened to a fake. This isn't the real, the real deal. We got to get these guys off the screen because I feel like they're staring me down. And so, um, so stop that. <laughs> so this is all good kind of in life. You know, we got fake knockoffs, fake plants, fake food, you know, fake leather, fake wood. Fake, you know, there's a lot of different fakes and all that. But what about people that take that into Christianity and we got fake faith? What I mean by that is what is it that people that look like a Christian, sound like a Christian, but aren't really a Christian? Yeah, I got quiet in here. <laughs> this is the reality of the world that we live in. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that know about God, that can say a lot of things about God, but the truth is if you were to really drill down, they're not much like God. They're, they're fake, and we live in a very fake world, and I think our culture is, is longing and striving for real, real things, real people, uh, having seen real Christians. How many of you have come across a fake Christian? Anybody knows a fake Christian that they say one thing, but you know the life that they live is totally different? And so we'll say things like this, like, I'm not going to go, you know, I can't go to churches full of hypocrites, full of, full of fake people. What we're, what we're saying is, it's not so much that we don't believe in God or we don't like Jesus, it's we don't like the people that represent them. That's what it's really saying. And I think, honestly, probably what has done the most damage in our culture has not been Jesus, it has been the people that have represented them. They have represented him wrong. Gandhi even said it this way. Gandhi says, I like your Jesus, I just don't like your Christians. And so this is the reality of the culture that we live in nowadays is most people uh, take stereotypes of maybe even not only just Christians but in churches. So they go into a church and, 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 and you can just tell. How many of you have been into a church and you knew it was just fake? There was just a lot of fake stuff going on. The, 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 what was preaching just seemed like it was a facade. Everything was going on. And you walked out of there and you go, if that's what church is like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. If that's what a Christian is like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So today I want us to get extremely personal. There will be times, I'm just letting you know today, where this message will be very uncomfortable. But it's only because I love you. And I want us to ask this question, what difference does God make in our lives that are people of faith? Now if you're checking out uh, this whole faith thing and you're not here and you're not a believer, that's cool.
cool. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. And I hope today when you hear this stuff, I hopefully it'll resonate within you as well. So let me give you the five differences God makes in your life if you're a people of faith. Here we go. If you're taking some, how many got some notes? Wave some notes at me just so I can see. Good. All right. Bless my soul right here. Okay. Let's take some notes together. Number one, saved. Yeah, we got to start there. Saved. Acts 2.47, this is what Acts 2.47, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were what? Who were being saved, those who were being saved. Notice it didn't say they were adding to them those who were going to church or those who were getting baptized or though it says those who were being saved. And, 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 and I need you to hear me on this very closely. Going to church does not make you a Christian just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Okay? Unfortunately, in our culture, especially in the Bible belts, in the southern states, where a lot of people know about God, whether it's they're Catholic or Baptist or whatever, there's just a lot of people in, our, in the south that know about God, would claim to love God. We have churches filled with people that go to church but think that because they give God one hour a week at church, that their relationship with God is good. But the Bible says that in order for us to get into the kingdom of God, it's not about your church attendance. It's about a surrender to God, giving him everything in our lives. So I, I normally will do this at the end of every service. We'll give an opportunity to explain what salvation is and give everybody in the room an opportunity to, um, to commit their hearts to the Lord. But I thought today I would do it differently. I'm going to put it on the front end and talk about salvation and talk about how do you know that you're really saved? How am I saved? It's as simple as A, B, C. Come on, get a little Jackson music up in here. A, B, C. Okay, so let me walk you through this. Here, number one, A, admit. You want to take a note? A, admit. Now, there are three, three people that we have to wrestle with in our lives. One is the person that you think you are. The Bible says that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. How many know the, the issues that we face in our life usually is we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to or we think lowly of ourselves than we ought to. But there's the person that you think you are. The second person is the person that people think that you are, that other people think. This is the facade that we wear. This is the mask that we wear, whether at work or at church or family reunions. And hey, how's it going? Oh, it's all good. And it's this facade that we give to people that our marriage is awesome, that our family is doing good, when maybe it's really not. But there's what people think that we are. And then the, the last one, is who God knows you are. So the three, so there's who you think you are, there's what others think you are, and then there's who God knows that you are. And it's in this last one, who God knows that you are, that you've gotta be gut level honest with God. This is where all the facade is gone, it's just you and God, it's real and raw, and he knows the intentions of your heart, he knows the thoughts in your mind, and we've got to come to a place where we realize we are broken. We have to admit that we are sinners. I love Pastor Andy Stanley put it this way. This is such a great quote. This is what he said. He said, we are not mistakers in need of correction. We are sinners in need of a savior. We need more than a second chance. We need a second birth. Come on, that's really good. Really good. The problem with that is, is we, we do think we're just mistakers and just need a little correction. 
No, you are a sinner in need of a savior. You and I are sinners. We are wretched people that need saving. And until you realize you're not good, then you can't begin this process. You've got to first admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I don't need a second chance. I need a second birth. I don't need a change life. I need a new life. Come on, somebody. We got to admit that God is good and that we need him. B, believe, believe. We believe that God sent his son to fix our sinful condition. This, this past week, I got a, um, a Facebook message from someone that doesn't even go to our church. It's funny, this person doesn't even go to our church and she sends everybody to our church. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, and she said, I have a friend of mine that, um, that I need to get to your church. She's going to a church right now and the, the person that's leading that church told her that if she does not go to church, she's not going to heaven. I said, what? I said, yes, if, if she doesn't go to this church, then she's not going to heaven. I said, you send her on over here. I will explain the truth to her. It's not about if you're in a church. Here's, here's the quote that I, I wanna, uh, that, I, that I told her. I said, I, you, I can't fix myself with promises, programs, a priest or a pastor. I can't fix myself with promises, programs, a priest or a pastor. None of those people can fix you. Jesus is the one who fixes you, by the way. No, no, no promise, no program, no priest, and no pastor. Now, that kind of wrestles with us because we feel like we can kind of fix ourselves, but, but here's the truth. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's just pull back for a minute. If you could fix yourself, okay, let's say you could, if you could fix yourself and get yourself into a better place and, and be your solution, then what God the Father did to Jesus, making him go to the cross and go through the most horrific death that a man could ever go through, is the worst case of child abuse ever. Right? Right? If God the Father makes Jesus go through the most horrific death, but you can get to, Jesus, you can get to God without Jesus, how I many you know God the Father is an abuser? But the truth is, you can't get to the Father, you can't get to heaven, and we can't have a relationship with God without Jesus. Anybody in here thankful for Jesus in this place? Jesus and Jesus alone. So if you come in here and you're like, man, I'm all jacked up and screwed up, welcome home. We all need Jesus, and we all believe that Jesus is the solution. Listen, I can't be the problem and the solution. You're either the problem or the solution. You can't be both of them. So I am the problem, Jesus' is solution. I admit that I'm a sinner, that I am the problem. I believe that Jesus' is solution. He died the death that I should have died. He lived the life I couldn't live. And then C is I confess. I'm confessing Jesus as Lord of my life. Look, look at this in Romans. It says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and what's the next word? Here it is. Here's that word again. So we're believing, we're confessing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Doesn't say you might be. It says you will be saved. If you will believe that God did what he, what, what he said he could do, and you confess that Jesus is Lord of your life, then you will be saved. That word Lord, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. This word Lord really means master, boss, in charge. He is the one that is the ruler of your heart. He is the one that steers the ship. This is who God is in our life. 
Now, here's the problem that we have with salvation, though. We confuse Christian conversion with the Christian life. And we think that Christian life and Christian conversion are the same. So every weekend I, I do a, an, a, a time for people to respond to the gospel. You know, if you want to admit that you're a sinner, you need Jesus in your life, raise your hand. I do that every weekend. The thing, though, that gets me is every weekend I look across the room and I see some of the same people raising their hand every weekend. So I'm going, did they not mean it the weekend before? Or what happened? Here's what I think happened. What I think happened is one, two things. One, they're not really sure. Two, probably something happened in that week that made them doubt that they really loved God. And so they wanted to just go, you know what, just to make sure, <laughs> let, me, let me get my hand up in there. Because they have equated the Christian life with Christian conversion. But that's not the truth. When you give your heart to the Lord, when you say, God, you are the Lord of my life, the Savior of my life, in that moment, you are converted, you are saved, you are born again, you are in heaven, and you know that for sure. But how many know after that, the next day, and the weeks and months to come, how many know that's the Christian life and that takes some work? But don't confuse the work of God in your life for you getting in or out of heaven. That's not the truth. If you've raised your hand, so I want you to know for sure. I want you to be able to raise your hand once and then never have to raise it again. You are completely, confidently sure that you're going to get in heaven. Let me show you. First John said it this way. I have written this to you to who, what? Believe. Here's that word again. To those who believe in the name of the Son of God. Now watch this. So that what? So that you will know. I want you to have confirmation. I want you to know that you have eternal life. So if we believe, if we admit, we believe, we confess him as Lord, if you've done that and you truly, genuinely say, God, you are Lord, then, then you can know for sure you have that. Now, one of the things that, that I love is I love to shop on Amazon. Amazon. Any Amazon people in here? Any Amazon shoppers? Okay, I love Amazon. Um, we, we use it for the church a lot. I use it personally for a lot. One of the things I like about Amazon is a couple of things. Of course, um, you can get stuff quick. You can get it here within a day or two if you want it. All my Christmas shopping is done almost on Amazon. It just, just makes it easy right there in the comfort of my home. Get in thing. But what I love the most about Amazon is as soon as I place an order, as soon as the order goes through, I get an email and a text message that says, your order has been received. The next day, I get another text message confirmation that says, your order has been shipped. Then the next day, so let's say I was shipping it to my house. I'm at work. I get a bring on my phone, and it says, your order has been shipped. It's delivered. So I'll text Lindsay. Package is there, right? And she's like, this is weird. What are you doing? Are you no, I got the confirmation. I already know it was there. How many would like to have the confirmation when Jesus, Jesus, how many would like a Jesus text that goes, bring, you're in? <laughs> Anybody want that Jesus text? Did you read the verse? If you believe in Jesus as the son of God, bring, you're in. <laughs> Do I need to text you and act like Jesus so you can believe this? But this is the truth. We've got to get the confirmation. How many know eternity is way too long for us to be wrong? We've got to get the confirmation. Don't equate, though, your Christian life thinking you've got to be perfect in order to get into heaven. You're not going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, okay, why are you getting in? 
well, I was good. I went to church. and I, None of that will matter. The only thing he'll, do, he'll ask is, did you believe in Jesus? Did you put your full faith in Jesus? Did you trust him? Yes. Take it in. Now, with that being said, with salvation, though, then comes number two. Number two, if you're taking notes, is sound. Titus 1.13 says this, that they may be sound in the faith. Now, you can, I, I'm, I'm going to just let you know, all of these will start with S. I'm doing that so we can hopefully help memorize these words. Um, but this word sound, really, honestly, if you put it in the Greek, means healthy or growing. So you can read it that way, that they may be healthy in the faith or they may be growing in the faith. So we give our lives to the Lord, we're saved, now what? Well, now God wants you to get healthy. So for the past couple of months, uh, we've been going through a thing in our house. My wife actually has had, uh, we brought her to the doctor for some tests to try to figure out what was going on in her body. Went to a, um, a bunch of different doctors, ran a bunch of different tests, ended up going to an allergy specialist, get an allergy test, came back. The allergy test that came back revealed that my wife had a very high allergy to eggs, to gluten, and to bananas. Now, what most people don't know is every morning, my wife makes two eggs every morning. All the food that we eat in our house, gluten high, <laughs> gluten high. And so the doctor said, okay, so this, this is the reality. So if the scale of one to five, if, if five was very high on egg allergies, she was a 50 on egg allergies. So pretty bad, pretty bad. So, so here's the doctor. The doctor said, okay, so here's the... Uh, here's the results. This is what's going on. So she's got a couple options here. She can go, okay, great. Well, this is what I'm going to do. Every morning when I cook my egg, I'm going to rebuke every egg allergy. I'm going to send it to hell. Okay, it's going to go to hell or it's going to go to sinners. I rebuke every calorie to sinners. Gluten goes to sinners. Eggs go to hell. Okay, you could do that, right? I mean, that would be nice if that worked. All the healthy stuff stays. But it doesn't work that way, of course. The other option is, okay, now you're going to have to start making healthier options. You're going to have to start eating whole foods. You're going to start having to eat things without gluten, things without eggs, which, by the way, it's in everything. But it's made it very, very challenging. Very, very challenging. But as she started doing that, clearing out pantry, and now starting to eat those things, guess what? Now she feels 100 times better. Her body feels a hundred times better. So the same in that way comes into our faith. We get saved and then, and then God doesn't, how many are thankful that God lets you come as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay as you are? So what does he do? He starts going, okay, here's some stuff that's revealing. These are some areas probably that you probably need to stay away from. These are some things that you need to pursue. Here, and, and as Christians, what we do as we're growing in Christ, we start making healthier options. So the movies that I used to watch, I just don't watch those as much anymore because they're polluting my body. The things that I used to do, I just don't do those as much because they're not good for me. And I start pursuing healthier options for my life. This is what it means to be healthy in the faith, that God would get, begin to give you new desires and new cravings. And how many know when you start going after God's options, how many know you, your life gets healthier, your marriage gets healthier, your family gets healthier? Things in your life start getting healthier when you do this. So this is what I wrote down. Owning your sin is different than living in it. 
And confession is never an excuse for complacency. What I mean by that is many of us know what we need to do, we just don't want to own it. We just want to live in it. And then we wonder why our stomach is always hurting and our life is always in chaos and things are always in turmoil. When God was revealing to you, much like my wife with the allergy test, these are things that probably you need to start doing and these are things you probably need to stay away from. And we go, no, God, I'm good. I'm just going to rebuke the calories. It doesn't work that way. You've got to start making healthier options. That's why confession is never an excuse for complacency. Most people are stuck where they are because they just don't want to go to the healthier options. Everybody with me here? So we want to be sound in our lives. Spiritual growth is not about learning more about Jesus. It's about becoming more like Jesus. So Sunday mornings is not for you to come to learn more about Jesus. It's so that you leave being more like him. That's the goal here. And I want you to be healthy. Uh, that, that is our prayer as, as pastors and as a staff and as, 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 as a dream team and as leaders. We want every person that walks in here to learn to begin to be healthy. Now listen, we know we're a church, which also means we're a hospital, which means you come in and you're all bleeding all over the carpet, and that's okay. Because you don't go to a, a hospital and scream at everybody that's in the hospital that's sick. What are you doing in here? I have no leg. Okay. Well, you need to fix that. You don't do that. Why? Because the hospital exists for sick people. The church as well exists for sick people. But we're not going to stay sick. We don't want to stay in the ER. We want to get healthy. So the way that we've designed things to help you get healthy, it's our four steps for you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. That you would know, know God, that you would get in services on Sunday, make Sunday mornings a commitment, make a commitment to be here don't allow Sunday mornings to be low on the priority list. Make it a high priority that nothing's going to stop us being with God's family and being in God's presence. That you would find freedom, get connected into a life group, whether it's a freedom group, a financial group, women's group, a cooking group, I don't care. Just get into a group with people because you need to be around people where you can share your heart with. Our lives change not by sitting in rows facing forward. Our lives change sitting in circles facing each other. And if you're wondering why you're stuck in the same thing, it may be because you're sitting in rows only facing forward and no one knows you. Get around other people that can know you, that can help you. Uh, discover your purpose. Jump in on Next Step. Our Next Step class will kick off November 4th or November 5th, whichever the first Sunday of, the, of November is. Jump in. Be a part. Get connected to the family. And then, of course, make a difference. Jump on the dream team. Start serving. Spiritual maturity often is seen not by what you get, but by what you give. You know you're growing. How many know your kids are growing when they're not waking up going, what is it for me? But they wake up and go, Mom, what do you need? Has that ever happened actually yet? Anyway, <laughs> we're still working on that one. Okay, all right. But how many know when they start going, hey, Mom, can I help you? How many know they're growing up? When they, when they go brush their teeth and you didn't have to sit there and do this with them, they're growing up. When they remember their shoes, they're growing up, okay? So all these things are happening, they're growing up. The same as with us. Okay, so we are saved, we are sound. Let me give you number three. All right, this one's going to be a hard one. Surrendered. Surrendered. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead... Give yourselves, what's this word? Everybody say it with me. Give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have a new life. All right. 
If you didn't like me already, oh well, here we go. I'm going to just tell you. So the greatest tragedy that I see in the Bible Belt, where we live in the southern um, states, is that many churches are filled with people who think that their relationship with God is good because they go to church one day a week. And it is the most deceptive thing in this world because people have substituted a relationship for God with church attendance. And they have no desire during the week to obey God, to love God, to pursue God. None of that is there. They just want to show up on Sunday, check off the list, and as if God is pleased with just that. Now, I'm going to say in here, if you're here for the first time, maybe your first time in church in a while, I know it's a big step for you, and I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm not speaking to you. Speaking to many of us who come into church and sit in church and yet have no desire to actually live out anything that's actually said. And by the way, that is a very dangerous game to play. The Bible says that there will come a day when people will stand before him and they will say, I did this and I went to church and I did these things. And he will look at them and go, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. Meaning what he, what he means by that is we didn't have a relationship. You went and did your thing. That would be like you going home one day a week at your house and thinking you're going to have a marriage. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. And it would be an injustice for me as your pastor to let you sit in this service and to let you sit in this church and think that because you're sitting in the church, you're getting into heaven. But you're not. The only way you're getting in is when you surrender wholeheartedly, completely to God. We give it all to him. How many know Jesus is looking for obedience? That's what he's looking for, that we be complete in him. We're playing a dangerous game if we think that church attendance is that. It's not. God wants complete, abandoning obedience to him. But not perfect obedience. I mean, no, you're not going to be perfect. But he does want active obedience, moving one step forward. Why do you think that Jesus, a lot of people that wanted to follow him, he made them uh, leave their money. He made them leave their family. He made them leave their professions. Why would Jesus do that? Because I think Jesus was trying to see if they would follow him for him or if they were following him for what they get from him. And how many people go to church because of what they want to get from God, not because they love God? By the way, heaven is not a place for people that don't want to go to hell. Heaven is a place for people that love Jesus. Come on, somebody. Who wants to go to heaven with a bunch of people who don't love Jesus? We want to be in a place that absolutely is in love with Jesus. All right. Y'all still love me? We okay? We all right? All right? Doesn't matter anyways. I was going to say it. Let me tell you why complete surrender is so important. Because you will not inconvenience yourself unless you're completely surrendered. And following Jesus, there will be times where God tells you to do something that you don't want to do. And if you are not completely surrendered, you won't do it. That I know. So God will say, I want you to give this. And you're like, mm-mm, that's my money. Mm-mm, don't touch that. He says, no, I want you to be generous with this. Mm-mm, that's mine. Or God would say, I want you to cut off that relationship. That relationship is not healthy. It's not good. And you go, no, nah, that's my man. That is my, I worked really hard for him. And he said, no, that, you a fool. Get rid of him. 
But if you are not completely surrendered to God, you, won't, you will not make the sacrifices that he calls you to do. I'm telling you, I see this all the time. People want to follow God until he makes them uncomfortable. And as soon as he makes them uncomfortable, they go, you know what, I've tried this God stuff, I'm out. The truth is, they're out because they made a God that they wanted, not the God that they needed. Amen? Y'all with me? Everybody still got their toes? Okay. How many know God can do way more with your life than you can? Let me give you number four here. Shine. 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 Becoming a Christian is a personal and private moment, but living as a Christian is public. What is the word that we use to describe a woman that is pregnant? What, what word do we use to describe her face? What? Glowing, right? She's glowing. She is glowing. Why would we say a word like glowing? Why would we say that? Because this is what has happened. She has been intimate with a man, and she's got something living on the inside of her. And because she's got something living on the inside, it is shining through her face. You can see it. It's glowing in her life. Well, isn't that a lot like Christianity? We've been intimate with Jesus. We got a man in our life. His name's Jesus. And guess what? New life is now on the inside of us. And guess what we do? We glow. We shine. Shine on, baby. Let me show you. Look at this next one. Matthew chapter 5. Inside joke. Um, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? This little light of mine. All right, so I'm putting you on a light stand now that I've put you on there on a hilltop. A light stand. What's the word? Shine. Everybody say it. It's got an exclamation point. Shine. Shine. Watch the next verse. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. That we should shine. There should be something different about us. Come on, somebody. You should work differently than everybody else. Your, your, your attitude should be different than everybody else. The reason why people don't like Christians is because their attitude is exactly like the world's. When things get darker, we get brighter. And by the way, let me tell you this. The world's going to get a lot darker. If you just read your Bible, it's going to get a lot darker. It's going to get a lot. But how many of you know this is the greatest time to ever live? And everybody's wondering, why is he so mad? I'm not mad. <laughs> I just really love you. And when I love you, I spit. <laughs> but how many believe we should look different? We should live different. We shouldn't look like everybody else. The Bible says you're of the world, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. We should be different. We should be shining in our lives. Pastor Bubba says this all the time. There's five gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. Most people won't read the first four, but they will read you. They'll always read you. I was at a funeral. Lindsay and I were at a funeral Friday, and uh, I, I was sitting with uh, Mr. Clayton and Ms. Sharon and their whole family, and, and a lady comes. I'm, I'm talking to a guy behind us and him and his wife, and then, then a lady comes and swings in in the back, and she, she said, uh, she said, are you Josh Belt? I said, she says, I love you. And I don't even know you. <laughs> I said, first off, this is creepy. This is my wife. This is Lindsay. Um, anyway, she could have been my mom. She was older enough. And, uh, and so we started talking and she said, I don't know y'all at all. She said, but I'm going to tell you something. She said, from what I've watched with y'all's church and what I've watched with your life and what I've watched with what y'all have gone through. She said, it has so encouraged my soul. I said, well, praise God. 
She said, you know, the things that y'all post all the time. She said, I said, she said, why do you do all that? I said, because there's enough bad stuff online. I want to put some good stuff out there. And come on, life is too good to, to, for us to be miserable. Walked into Walgreens the other day. I was whistling and a lady goes, man, somebody's happy. I said, and so I was like, preaching moment. Okay, so I said, why would I not? Life's way too good to not be happy. I said, Jesus living, everything's good. And she's like, that's good. <laughs> we have opportunities to shine in so many different ways. I was at Walmart the other day with my uh, middle son. We were getting some items um, for our house. And so we were going through the fast, the, the 20 items or less, the self-checkout. Come on, how many thankful for Walmart getting self-checkout? Thank you, Walmart. And so we're going through the self-checkout, and Judah likes to scan everything. You know, he's scanning things, scanning me, which is what he does. He scans everything. So we pay, and we're, we're going out to the truck. I'm putting all the stuff into the truck. And, and then I noticed underneath, under the buggy, I had a case of bottled water. And then I was like, oh. And so I was like, I don't know if we paid for this. You know? And so I asked Judah, did you scan that? And he's like, I think so, Dad. I said, okay, let me check the receipt. So I checked the receipt, and it's not there. And so Judah was like, Dad, we got a free case of water. <laughs> I said, no, listen, I'm going to tell you what's happening. They got their cameras zoomed in on Pastor Josh to see if the pastor of our Savior's church is going to come back and pay for that water he stole. That's what's going to happen. And it's going to be on the news. They're watching me. And, uh, and so, of course, it was a teaching moment. I said, no, son, listen, that's called stealing, and we need to go back and pay. So we, we walked back into, you know, Walmart, and the lady's like, y'all back already? And I said, we stole a case of water. We just want to come back and, uh, and, and pay for this. We forgot to pay for it. She's like, you would do that? I said, yes, why not? Why wouldn't we? Because most people would be like, blessing from the Lord. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they didn't catch it. Y'all know that's what you would do. You know it. 420. They won't miss 420. It's okay. They can deal with that. Hey, listen, how many know we can shine in the little things? And oftentimes it's the little things that matter the most. We're more worried about shining in big areas. Listen, you just love your kids. I had someone message me this week because I've been coaching uh, my, my middle son in football, and, and he just messaged me and said, hey, man, I just want to let you know, thank you so much for coaching our boys. My son walks home, I mean, uh, comes home, and he's, he just talks about the team and the encouragement and stuff. This is his first year. He said, man, just thank you for being a mentor to these kids. I said, it's the small stuff. I just want to be that. I want you to be that, which, by the way, many of you do. Some of the greatest encouragement that I hear in our city is you shining, you do such a great job in this. But I want to encourage you, not just in the big things, look for the small moments to shine. Amen? We should shine. We should be different. Let me give you the last one. Number, six, uh, number five is strong. Strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, and what? Be strong. Be strong. I love this quote I'd read a while back. It said, Christians are like tea bags. You never know what's in them until they're in hot water. <laughs> That's so true, isn't it, though? Christians are like tea bags. You never know what's in them until they're in hot water. And that is, honestly, when our faith gets revealed the most, right? It's not when the bank account is full and the marriage is going good and the kids are all obedient and, you know, they're waking up going, how can I serve you, mama? It's when they wake up and they're demon-possessed. <laughs> oh, is that only me? Okay, all right, so. It's, it's when things aren't going good 
It's when you lose the job. How many know that's your moment to shine? And that's the moment that reveals what's going on on the inside. This verse says that you would be on guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous, and be strong. April 10th, 1963, the U.S. Army, U.S. Navy, that's a new, that's a new branch. Army and Navy are coming together. It's the Army. And so, um, Mike, can you help me out here? And so, so the Navy, stick with me here, built a submarine called the USS Thresher. I got a picture of it, actually. This is it. Size of a football field. Most expensive sub that was ever made at that time, $45 million to build this sub. Now it would have been a billion dollars, but back in those days, it was a lot of money to build this sub. This was the fastest sub. It was also the, the thing that they were bragging about the sub was that it could go to the greatest depths that in any sub that ever gone to. The USS Thresher, you can look it up. So they took this out, um, and they were dropping it into deeper and deeper waters, testing it and testing it. When they got to about 2,000 to 2,500 feet, it sprang a leak. How many know that's the one thing you don't want to hear on a submarine? <laughs> we got a leak. So the men actually ran to try to stop the leak. The problem, though, what they didn't realize is the pressure on the outside, because of how low they were, was greater now than the pressure on the inside, and the entire submarine imploded. Over 100 uh, sailors were killed. It was one of the worst tragedies with a submarine ever. I was talking to a guy actually in the 8 a.m. service that was in the Navy, and he said they had to listen to the radio calls whenever he was on the subs for them to hear how it actually happened. This is the real deal. And I started thinking about this. Okay, this, this sub, millions of dollars, was constructed to go in the deep parts of the ocean, and yet it failed. It imploded because the pressure on the outside was greater than the pressure on the inside. Then it made me start thinking, there are actually sea creatures, there are fish that are t way smaller than this, have much smaller outside, and yet can swim way deeper than this and never implode. You know, what the, you know how that is the case? It's not because they have an incredible tough exterior shell, it's because they have greater pressure inside than what's on the outside. And by the way, that sounds real biblical to me. That God, that there's something on the inside that's greater than the pressure on the outside. Actually, let's look at this verse. It actually is there. In 1 John 4, the spirit who lives in you is what? What is it? Greater. Come on, it's what? Greater. It's greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Come on, how many are going through some pressure right now? You got some pressure at work, pressure in your job, pressure in your family, pressure in your finances. Come on, Jesus is greater. The spirit of God is greater on the inside of you. You can go to the depths of the greatest pressure in life. Watching people in our church go through battling cancer, like Pastor Bubba, like Marshall, like different people that are going through pressure, people who have lost their jobs. I've, we've walked with people that have had no money in their bank accounts because they cannot find a job. We've walked through people that have had adulteries and affairs. We've walked through people who've had uh, suicides in their families. I, I got another funeral I'm doing this week from a young guy that's in our church. It's just pressure and pressure and pressure, and so many people fall, they, they collapse under the pressure. And the reason is, is because they don't got something greater in them than the pressure outside of them. But come on, when you get Jesus on the inside of you, come on, how many know you got a greater pressure on the inside than on the outside? I'm preaching way better than this white church is responding. Five, Jamal, we got to get some more black people in this church to help me preach. Dude, Jesus. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, 
For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. I think, honestly, the greatest differentiating between a non-Christian and a Christian is that we have strength on the inside. That even though we fail, and even though our marriages fall at times, and even though we, we, we blow it, we get back up. We get back up. Favorite, favorite movie of all time. Favorite movie of all time. Rocky. Any Rocky fans in the house? Okay. Now, I know they got way too many of them. They should have stopped at like three or four, but we got like Rocky 67. He's now 93 years old and a rocker. But the one thing you know about Rocky, here's what you know. Whether you've watched the first one or you've watched the last one, Rocky always falls, always falls, and Rocky always gets back up. And when he gets back up, I want to show you, this is what he does. This is what he does. This is by far the best movie out of all of them. Just want to let you know. He gets back up. Here's the question I want to ask you. Have you fallen? Have you fallen? Now here's the next one. Did you get back up? The only difference between someone who fails in life and someone succeeded is if they just didn't get back up. Just get back up. Just believe again for your marriage. Just stand again for the healing. Just continue to get back up. Pray again. Believe again. Step again. Go again. Let's go again. Let's get up again. Let's do it again. Pressure on the outside is not greater than the pressure on the inside. Come on, the pressure on the inside is so much greater than the pressure on the outside. Can I get an amen?